And so I want to talk to you about a message that, that I've entitled Training Day. Training Day. Uh, listen, if I learned anything, uh, it's I'm learning how much my training impacts my ability to team rope. And so yesterday, I, I was part of the team roping happening down here at the, at the arena. And in one of the ropings, I made it all the way to the short round. Um, yeah. And, and then I missed when it was my chance to make money. Um, but, but hey, listen, I don't feel bad either because, because here's what I'm beginning to learn is this, is, is the more time I put into training, the closer I'm getting to my goals. And there used to be this big gap between my expectation and my ability. But what I began to realize yesterday is that gap is, is shrinking. But it's, it's shrinking because of the training that I'm putting in. And for so many of us, there's a frustration that exists in our life because there's a gap between what we expect to happen and the training that we put in to actually make it happen. And, and one of the things that I think that happens in our life is we come into this relationship with Jesus and he saved us and he delivered us and we kind of have this high and, and then we also have this battle with fear. And so I want to talk today a little bit about fear because here's what I think is there's a gap that often happens between what we expect God to do in our life and what we experience. And if we don't spend time training ourselves, that gap leads to a lot of frustration in our life because there's a moment where we all experience fear. Uh, like, let's just be honest. At some point in your life, how many of you have been afraid? If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar, okay? And, and that's probably because you're afraid to raise your hand and admit it, all right? So you proved my point right there by not raising your hand. Thank you uh, so much for that. That there's all been this moment and there's so many things that we do that I believe fear has trained us to do. That I believe every day is a training day. It's a training day for faith or it's a training day for fear, that we all have moments where we experience fear and we don't even realize, like, like there are still moments when I'm coming on stage to preach that I can feel like those butterflies in my stomach. That yesterday as I was sitting in the short round of that roping in the box getting ready to go, I could feel just a little bit of the fear inside of me that, that if you've ever done anything in that, those moments where you've competed in sports and it's the championship game, you feel the butterflies and the fear. You get married and you're getting ready to make this commitment to each other for life. And let's be honest, there's a little bit about fear that's in there. The first time you have a kid and you think, ah, what have I done? I don't know if I'm ready for this. Uh, I'm going to mess this human being up. There's, there's a little bit of fear inside of us. And, and here's what I'm convinced is the enemy is, is desperately trying to train us through fear as much as the Lord is trying to train us through faith in him. And so somewhere along the way, we've got to recognize that every day is a training day. We're either making decisions, being intentional to move forward in faith, or we're reacting to fear in our life. But either way, those decisions are training us and how we walk with the Lord and live it out. And here's what I've come to realize. Fear and faith are both trained responses. Fear and faith are both trained responses, that, that you have an opportunity to respond to fear in a way that honors God and the faith that you have, or you have an opportunity to respond to fear the way the enemy would want you to. 
And you can either react to fear or you can respond with faith. But too many of us settle for reacting to fear rather than responding in faith. And so today I want to take a look in, in the book. I said 2 Kings earlier. I'm sorry. I want to take 1 Kings 19. We're going to take a, a look at the story of a man named Elijah. Uh, and if you don't know this story at all, uh, let me give you a little bit of backstory before we get to 1 Kings 19. I'm going to just read 1 through 5. Um, Elijah has this moment where he shows up on the scene. Israel is not serving God. They've got all these other gods that they're serving. And so he shows up and says, all right, guys, I challenge you and all of your false gods, and I'm going to represent the one true God, and we're going to see whose God is real. And so one man, Elijah, takes on 850 prophets of some false god. The odds are one to 850, all right? And, and Elijah's like... I like these odds. I got this. Let's go. Come on. And, and so he gives them all day. They're going to build an altar. They're going to call down fire from heaven. And, and whoever's God responds with fire, that's the true God. And they're like, all right. And so those 850 prophets go on and on and on all day long, all day long. Nothing happens. And Elijah literally starts making fun of them is, is what he does really if you go and look. In fact, I think part of it in the Hebrew literally, like he's making fun of them saying, maybe your God's in the bathroom and he can't hear you. Like he's, 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 he's jabbing at them just a little bit. He's got some confidence that he's responding in faith in this moment. And so then Elijah, he's so confident that he literally says, dig a ditch, cover this thing in water, and we're going to soak this thing up just because I'm that confident that God's going to move. And he says a prayer, fire comes down, boom. They kill all 850 of the prophets, and Elijah has this moment where he's like, all right, I'm changing things for God. And then he goes in, because they've been in a drought for years, and he goes in and he prays, and all of a sudden it starts raining, and Elijah's like, yes, this is moving, things are changing, good things are happening here. And then... First Kings 19 happens. And there's this moment in First Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 1. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. And so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. And Elijah responded, not today, Satan. I got this because my God is so big. No, he didn't. If you know the story at all, that's not at all. Like you would have thought, right? The guy just saw God call fire down from heaven. He just saw, he prayed and it rained. Like these things happened through Elijah. And in this moment, it's like, what, what do you do? Like I would think, man, it's, it's just one woman. Like you got this, right? No. Like, here's what Elijah responds. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Surely we're talking about a different guy. And then he says he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. Like, if you know the geography of Judah at all at that time, it was like the furthest south he could possibly go and still be in there. Like, like he was trying his best to get away from this woman. And he left his servant there, and he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. For I am no better than any of my ancestors who have already died. And then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. Like in this moment, it's like, how, how does he respond in faith in one moment and then react in fear the next? 
I'm, I'm convinced that the enemy has had thousands of years to perfect his plan. And one of the greatest plans that he has to destroy God's people is to make us afraid. And he trains us for that. All you have to do is look around the world today and figure out what moves people. And I promise you, people move because of fear more than anything else. I mean, y'all bought up all the toilet paper in the world during COVID because you thought, I, like, I, don't, I still can't figure that out. <laughs> and because of COVID, like we can't even get chicken tenders now because of some of you guys. Like, I mean, this is crazy. But fear motivates Fear causes a reaction from people, and the enemy knows it, and he's trained us with it. And in the same way, God knows, and he's trying to train us in his word. In fact, 2 Timothy literally says, 2 Timothy 3, I think 16 and 17, says when Paul's talking to Timothy, he said that the word of God is there for the purpose of being trained up in righteousness. And so here's Elijah, just called fire down from heaven, saw this mighty move, and now he's running from one woman who wasn't even there. She sent a message. It wasn't like she showed up with an army ready to kill him. It was a message. But isn't that just like the enemy? To put some kind of message into our mind, into our heart, and in one instant... We think we're on a mountaintop going good, and all of a sudden the bottom falls out when we start reacting in fear. And that's why we all here today, all of us, those of you watching online, Philadelphia, Tennessee, whoop, whoop, give them a shout out real quick. They'll thank me for it later. You guys just get to tolerate. There you go. They're clapping for you. Because we all struggle with fear in some way. In some way, all of us, the toughest of us, the weakest of us, there is in some way fear that moves us. And, and I want to take a look at this story because I'm convinced there's some things we can learn. But one of the things I know is that fear triggers the training inside of us. Fear triggers the training Either, either you're, it's going to trigger all of the training that the enemy has done to get you to react to fear, or fear is going to trigger all of the training you've done to build up your faith in God. But if you ever want to find out what you got going on, wait till the moment that you're afraid and you'll find out. And, and so it's so important in this moment that we pay attention to the tactic of the enemy, that we pay attention to how he's trying to train us through fear. And in order to do that, we've got to, to, to recognize his tactics. And so I want to talk about what fear looks like coming at us. And I want to talk about what fear looks like on the backside. Okay. And so this here is my lovely representation of Jezebel, if I may. All right. Uh, this is not a voodoo doll. All right. Just calm down. I am going to stick some pins and some words on here, but follow with me. Okay. Follow with me, because here's the reality that I'm convinced. Uh, uh, we can look at the illustration of Jezebel, and I think people probably take some of this to a too far extreme. But the reality is, is this, that the enemy's tactics have not changed over thousands of years. And so there's something we can learn from the way Jezebel responded. Because in this moment, she did a couple of things. Jezebel, when fear comes at us, Fear, fear has a tendency 
Mm, there we go. To come at us with threats. Right? I'm going to kill you. That's literally like, like making a threat. That, that in those moments we have this where fear comes straight at us because we feel threatened by someone. We feel threatened by something. And then somehow we start to respond. That in those moments, the enemy comes and he makes a threat. I'll take your life. I'll destroy your marriage. Your kids are not going to turn out any better than you. You're going to end up just like your parents. Those threats that the enemy makes, trying to get a reaction out of us, knowing that as he can throw threats at us, he's learned he can get a response or reaction from us. And in that moment, Jezebel's making threats. She's not there. She's not holding a sword to Elijah. There's not even anybody there, but it was just the initiation of a threat that got a response from him. And how often does the enemy do the same thing to us? Makes a threat against your health. He makes a threat against your life. He makes a threat against your marriage. He makes a threat against your finances. And we start shaking. And we feel that fear welling up inside of us. And so usually, not, not far behind, a, a threat becomes another one here. And, and he starts to intimidate us, right? Because she's the queen. She has the opportunity. She has all the power. She has the army. And so she could do all she needed to do to intimidate and create this moment that she needed to make happen. And somewhere... There may be other labels, but I'm convinced a majority of the fear that we experience is because we feel threatened or intimidated. We feel threatened or intimidated, and we begin to feel safe, unsafe as fear comes at us. Here's a freebie that I don't have in my notes. It's incredible that Elijah never threatened or intimidated Jezebel but she felt threatened and intimidated by him because of what God had done. Because she knew her power did not compare to the power of the God that Elijah was serving. And because she felt threatened and intimidated by the powers that be, she reverted to physical threats and intimidation to try to find a way to manipulate the outcome that she wanted. Hear me, listen. Some people may feel threatened or intimidated by you, but don't change who you are to accommodate them. Elijah ended up changing because he knew what had happened was intimidating and threatening to her. He ended up changing and running instead of standing and being the man of God he called him to be. And that's exactly what the enemy wanted. And so in this moment where fear comes at us, where fear makes threats, where fear begins to intimidate, where it begins to threaten, where it comes at us, I'm going to say this. These are the tactics of the enemy. And so here's what I will say. Because those are the tactics of the enemy, they should never be the tactics of God's people. I, I've read scripture a lot and nowhere have I seen Jesus make threats or intimidate. I just didn't. 
But listen, when you're the one that holds all the power, you don't have to. Because you have nothing to be threatened or intimidated by. And if we hold all the power because the Spirit of God lives inside of us, then we have no need to threaten or intimidate if we're doing what God has called us to do because he holds all the power. And so if you ever want to figure out if the enemy is working in your life, begin to look if there is someone or something that is threatening and intimidating you, and I can promise you the enemy is pulling the strings. Think about that for a moment. And so fear has a way of showing its hand through threats and intimidation. And it does that to try to get control of us. Instead of letting God control us, we let fear control us. You want to know if you, how fear has control of your life? I'm, I'm going to give you one or two scenarios real quick. Real quick. Quack. What is that? Jeez. <laughs> if there is someone that you know you need to have a conversation with and you're afraid to and so you're avoiding it, fear has control of your life. If, the, if there is something God has asked you to do and you're afraid to do it and so you're not doing it, fear has control of your life. Oh, and we justify that control with a lot of great things, right? Oh, I'm just trying to keep the peace with that person. Like, I just want to have a good relationship. And so I'm just avoiding it. Listen, there's no peace with that person. It's false peace. Because you're not at peace. And they're not at peace. And all we have to do is look at our life and measure it up to those things. Is there someone or something that we're afraid to do or afraid to have a conversation with that we know we need to? Fear has control of you. And here's the difference right now. I'm not saying having faith means you'll never be afraid, but what I am saying is having faith means you choose to let faith control you rather than fear control you. That you may have feelings of fear, but you don't let those feelings get the steering wheel. You don't let those, steering, those feelings hold the reins. You let faith hold the reins. And so oftentimes when we experience these things in, in fear, the, the backside... Look at that. The backside of fear, all right? Here's, here's what often happens, right? As, as we experience fear and it passes us by, all right? I got more. Y'all ready for this? See, here's, here's some things that start to happen when we experience fear. There's a couple of them that I think that happened that, that I'll start with, uh, with Elijah. And I thought it was just amazing to me. Elijah's first mistake because of fear. He isolated himself. So many times when we're in fear, when we're afraid, and fear begins to grip us, we start pulling away from the very ones we should be pulling into. We get afraid, and we suddenly think, I can't let somebody know what's going on, or I don't know what they'll think about me, or, or yes, men, like, I just got to take care of this myself is what we do. Arr, arr, arr. And so right, we just try to take it on by ourselves, and we pull away from all of the very people that could have helped us in that moment. That Elisha had his man with him, and yet he left him and then went into the wilderness alone when maybe the reality is he needed to stay right there where somebody else could encourage him, where fear was trying to take control. And one of the worst things we can do when, when fear begins to react inside of us is to respond by isolating ourselves. And yet we do it all the time. 
I'm afraid of something. I can't let the church know, so I'm just going to stop going for a little while because it's kind of embarrassing, and I don't, I don't want people talking about me in church. Ah, man, I really want to go to life group, but man, life's just kind of been hard, and so I'm just, I'm just not going to show up for a little while. I need some space. I just need to be alone to deal with this. Listen, those are some of the worst things you can do when you're afraid is to begin to isolate yourself from the very people that can help you. One of the other things that he did that I think we can all relate to in some way is, is really he began to experience depression. Maybe it's clinical depression for some of you. Boy, fear is really tough. <laughs> I, this man of God who was just so on fire that he called fire down from heaven is literally having a conversation with God saying, just take me. I'm done. There's nothing worth living for now. And somewhere, the longer we let fear stay in control, the more we begin to struggle with feeling like there is no hope. There is no future. There is no way out of this moment. That, that through fear, through intimidation, through threats, we begin to feel like there's no way God is still moving. Hear me, if, if that's you today... Don't isolate yourself and go find somebody to talk to because fear is a liar. Amen. Your feelings are a liar. They may be an indicator of some things, but they are not the final outcome of anything. And if that's you, there are too many people in this world that love you. There are too many people in this world that care for you and Ending your life is not the solution. All it will do is create more pain for somebody else. There is help for you and there is hope for you. But I'm convinced one of the reasons we have an epidemic of depression in today's world is because we have an inner enemy who's created so much fear in our life. You want to get to the root of something instead of just dealing with the symptoms? Let's deal with fear. does a lot of other things, man. Fear has a tendency, let's just be honest, to make us irrational. Like the more afraid we get, like, oh man, I didn't get my kid signed up for that t-ball league, and so he's never going to become a professional baseball player, and he's never going to make it to play for the Houston Astros, and, and, I've, and he's never going to get into that college that I wanted, and I've just ruined my kid's life. I, I know you guys are laughing because you've never had irrational thoughts like that, right? <laughs> that we have these irrational thoughts that the, the enemy begins to whisper because we're afraid. We, we begin to run through all of the scenarios in our mind of how everything is going to fall apart and how we've ruined everything. Because that's what the enemy wants. I'll tell you why in a minute. We're going to get to what God wants, but that's the opposite of what God wants. And so he creates all these irrational thoughts inside of our head. He creates this feeling inside of us that, that we're weak, that you can't do this. You're not strong enough. You're not able, that you don't have the strength or the power to do it. 
That's where Elijah was at. Like, I'm done. I'm out, God. Like, I'm so done. I'm just going to lay under this tree and die. Because I feel weak. And it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't seem to be changing anything. And I'm just, I'm powerless. And so I, I quit. I give up. Anybody else there yet? Anybody else feel like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to hit somebody. Like, I'm afraid to stick her there. Like, I'm going to have to stick her somewhere else. Should have thought this out a little bit more. See, what fear gets out of us sometimes is anger. Mm, I get afraid, and so what do I do, man? I lash out in anger. I, really, I'm afraid, but the only way for me to cover it up is to over-exaggerate the other way and let you know how mad I am. And I've found that really some of the most mad people are some of the most scared and insecure people in the world. But fear has a way of triggering a response of anger in our life. And I'm going to show you in just a minute why that's the wrong response that the enemy wants. Fear has a way of triggering anxiety in our life. Then we begin to worry over and over again. You lay in bed at night and you can't sleep because you can't shut your mind off because you're thinking about how there's not enough money at the end of the month and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills and, and how are we going to make the house payment and, and uh, my marriage is falling apart and, and my kids just got arrested and I just got that doctor's report and it's not looking good and, and, and anxiety begins to roll because of fear. That we feel things like shame when we're afraid because deep down inside, we know not working. All right, we're going to try this again. There we go. Got him. Got him. Fear triggers shame in some of us because we know I shouldn't have reacted that way and I'm ashamed. And, and we know sometimes that we allow fear to let us make a decision and we make the wrong decision. And so suddenly shame sets in because fear triggered a reaction in us that we didn't want. And, and that so often I'm convinced that the Lord wants to do something different than this. But when fear comes into our life and we react to that fear rather than respond by faith, these are the results that happen. And I'm convinced there's an epidemic in this world because of fear. An epidemic that the Lord has a cure for. But we've got to somewhere decide we're going to stop allowing fear to train us how to react. And we're going to start allowing faith to train us how to respond. That we're no longer going to let fear hold the reins. I'm going to let faith hold the reins. If there's one thing I've learned from roping, that left hand and your feet are just as valuable in that right hand and how you can throw a rope. Because if that steer's over there and I keep trying to go over here, I'm making my job a whole lot harder. If I would just move those reins that way and put a little pressure with that left foot, guess what? My horse moves that way and gets me closer to my target. But it's all about who's holding the reins and what you do with them. The enemy wants you to have fear sitting there so you'll, you'll get anxiety and you'll get, you'll get depression and, and you'll pull back because you're ashamed and you'll do all of the wrong things in those moments. All of the things that I believe the Lord doesn't want for us. 
all of the things that would move us away from God's perfect plan and God's perfect design and God's perfect intention for us. And I want us to move in the direction that God wants because he's training us for something better. Amen? Come on. Let's go. Let's go. I've got, I'm going to keep moving. I know. I'm sorry. Because here's what I know. Fear is fighting for control. So how do we let faith have the reins? I'm going I'm to shoot some scriptures at you. So follow along with me, okay? 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Hear me. God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity. You may have those feelings, but he has not allowed that spirit to infiltrate your life. But he has given us a spirit of power, of love. And, and scripture kind of interprets it a different way. It's a bigger word, but, but it says a sound mind. Another version calls it self-discipline. That is the spirit that God has given us. Power, love, sound mind, self-discipline. Why? Because when fear happens, if we would choose to respond with God's power rather than to react to our weakness, what would happen? Fear wouldn't have control. Faith would. And the reality is Acts 1.8 says that I have given the spirit to you so that you may receive power. That, that you would receive power when my spirit comes upon you. What power is that? It's the power of God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that lives inside of you. And if he quickens our mortal body, there's nothing that your God and my God can't do. What would happen if we would respond with that? That I will not give into fear because the power of God lives inside of me. We declare all of these fears over our life. What would happen if we would start to declare the power of God over our life? I'm afraid. And so I know it's just the way I, it's the way I respond. I'm weak. No, you're not. God didn't make you weak. God didn't make you powerless. He created you and he put his spirit inside of you. And if he can raise his son back to life, there's nothing in your life that God's power cannot overcome. So instead of declaring fear and all that it comes with in your life, I would encourage you to begin to declare the power of God over your life and your situation when you're afraid. And if you would do that, it would move you closer in the direction that God wants you to go. But we got to choose to respond with God's power rather than to react from the fear that we experience. It says that he's given us the spirit of power and of love. Love is an interesting one to me. Because one of the things I think fear triggers in us is, is hopelessness and apathy. Fear triggers those things inside of us. Fear triggers 
hopelessness, but faith triggers God's love. 1 John 4.18 says this, such love has no fear. Some of you might be able to finish this because perfect love expels, casts out all fear. See, some of us give in to fear because we don't understand how much he loves us. And a remedy to fear in our life, the solution is the love of God because it casts out all fear. If we understood how much God loves us, we would realize we have nothing to be afraid of. But if you think God is sitting up in heaven waiting to kill you and punish you and make your life difficult because of all the bad decisions you've made, no wonder you live in fear. Because that's not God. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for me and you. To die our death on a cross that we deserve to die so that we wouldn't have to. There's no greater love. And if we can walk in that love, it casts out all fear. Why? Because he's got us. And he loves you so much, he's not going to let anything happen that could harm you eternally. Let's just, let's skip a beat here and go there, okay? Because sometimes bad things do happen in our life, but God's not looking at this moment. He's looking at eternity. And I hear people tell me all the time, oh, how you doing today? Well, I'm above ground instead of underground. Listen, if you have a relationship with Jesus, being underground is not bad because that means I'm in heaven with him. Like, that's a pretty good alternative. If heaven is what we say it is and it's what we talk about, it's the best alternative. It's the goal. And so therefore, we don't have to fear any of those things that would ultimately punch our ticket home with Jesus. Because he loves us. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so maybe what you need to declare in your life in those moments where anxiety and worry and all of those things well up inside of you is to go back to that verse and declare, he loves me and his love casts out all my fears. That you don't have to react to fear, but you can live in his love. The other thing that fear does is it triggers undisciplined ways, but faith triggers self-discipline. That's what he literally said in that scripture. Power, love, and self-discipline, or a sound mind. The amplified version of of Galatians, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, um, or no, I'm sorry, about this verse, it says, in sound judgment or personal discipline, the abilities that result in calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. That's the fullness of when he said sound mind or self-control. That's where different versions end up. That's the fullness of that word. That what God wants for you is a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. That's why I, I had that word up there about all those irrational thoughts. Why? Because that is the opposite of a disciplined mind. Anxiety is the opposite of a disciplined mind. People, I've heard people say this to me. Oh, I'm just not a very disciplined person. Well, you're right. But hear me. It has nothing to do, well, maybe, it's not all about your genetics. How about that? 
that, that a lack of discipline in your life, according to scripture, is actually a spiritual problem, not just a physical problem. And we keep making it just about the physical, and I'm not as disciplined as you. Listen to me. If you're not disciplined, it's more than a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem because he said, I've given you a sound mind. I've given you self-discipline. A fruit of the Spirit is literally self-control. A byproduct of walking in the Holy Spirit and his power that we talked about two moments earlier is self-control. And so in this moment, you need to stop saying to yourself, I'm not disciplined enough. And you need to start saying to yourself that I will walk in the self-discipline of the God I love, that I will walk in the power of who he is and who he's created me to be because he and his spirit has given me the ability to have self-control over your mind, and the thoughts that enter it over the worries inside of your heart. Stop declaring all of the things you're not good at and start declaring all of the things that God has for you. But listen, you know how we do this? It goes all the way back to 2 Timothy. Train yourself up in righteousness. Quit letting fear have the training day with you start letting faith have the training day with you get into the word of god and study it so that you can train yourself up to know how to fight against fear and to know how to fight against the enemy when he comes against you Stop settling for fear as a part of your life or the way you are. I'm just a worrier. I'm just, no, you're not. Stop it. Somewhere along the way, we've got to make some decisions to train up and respond the way God wants us to respond rather than react the way we choose to react. There's a quote from a Greek philosopher. Archilochus is his name. And it's true because at the end of the day, it's God's truth. He said, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. We don't rise to the level, I forgot to put that one up there, sorry. We don't rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. See, so many of us, we have these high expectations of what God's going to do in our life, but then we forget that God said, hey, 2 Timothy, train yourself in righteousness. And, and we, we keep allowing the world to train us. We keep allowing the world to dictate to us. We keep allowing society to train us. And somewhere we've got to start allowing the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God to train us up so that the gap from what we expect to happen in our training begins to close. That, that in those moments 
It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen a month from now. But a year from now, something's going to happen in your life. And if you start training now, you're going to realize that gap of fear controlling you and faith having control is closing. Because I'm not afraid as much as I used to be. I don't worry as much as I used to. I don't fight all those irrational thoughts. I don't have all those feelings of anger and respond. That suddenly faith is steering me in these moments that I'm afraid instead of fear. But we've got to recognize what's coming at us and figure out how to respond to it rather than react to it. And that's what God has called us to do. To respond by faith. To not react to fear. To not give fear control. And I think so many times that's what we do. I think God wants to do some amazing things. And he wants to do them through you. He wants to do some amazing things in your home, in your families, in your marriage, in this community, around the world. And the enemy knows that. And one of the greatest tools that he will use to stop what God is trying to do in you is the same tool that worked against Elijah for a little while before God got his attention. And that's fear. We stop doing so much of what God wants because we're afraid. And somewhere we got to say, yes, I'm afraid, but I'm going to trust God instead. Respond. When you feel fear, that should be the indicator in your mind, the indicator in your spirit that it's time for me to respond the way God would have me to respond. It's time for me to stop if I need to and say a prayer and not just react to the fear inside of me the way I always used to, but respond with prayer and say, God, give me the power to do what I can't do. Help me to understand how much you love me in this moment in spite of everything that's happened and give me the self-control and the self-discipline to respond the way you would want me to versus react the way my flesh wants me to. Fear should be an indicator to us. It should be the thing that triggers us to respond to pursue God rather than respond by all of the things that we're called to do, that we naturally feel this inclination to be a part of. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, maybe you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus before. And to be honest, you're kind of afraid about that. You're afraid of where you might spend eternity. You're, you're afraid of what it might look like to raise your hand in front of all these people. You're afraid to admit that your life is messed up and what will people think about you. But hear me in this moment. Don't react to that fear. Respond to God in faith. Because I'm here to tell you, nobody here is going to judge you. They're going to celebrate with you. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to be afraid of where you're going to spend eternity because Jesus Christ died for you so that you could have eternal life with him. But somewhere we've got to stop letting fear have the reins and we've got to start putting our faith in God and letting him have the reins. And that starts by giving our life to Christ first and letting him take charge. And so if that's you today and, and you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time, or maybe you made a decision a long time ago, but you know you've just not been living for him. And so you want to make a new commitment to him today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so that we can put a Bible in your hand and pray with you this morning? 
Is there anybody? Okay. Can we stand all across this place? Here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced God laid this message on my heart because... I really do think there's an epidemic of fear in our world. And I believe it's an epidemic of fear that the enemy is pulling the strings on because he's trying to destroy people. His only plan is to kill, steal, and destroy you. That's all he wants to do. And he's using fear to do it. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And you might have it to the full and that happens through moments where we choose to put our faith in him. How many of you would say, man, I, I kind of feel like the Holy Spirit is, is showing me some things in my life where I've allowed fear to, to be in control and cause some reactions. Yeah. Can we just keep those hands up and just take a moment here at the end of service to, to ask the Lord to help us give him the reins of our fear and choose to respond in faith today rather than give that fear any more space. Let's do that. Father, I thank you for every hand that's raised. Lord, myself included, because I know there are times where fear wants to grip me. I know there are so many things that we could be afraid of in this world, God, and I know that you have not created us to have a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and of sound mind. And so I pray for everybody that's raised their hand that you begin to fill them with your power. You begin to fill them with your love, with your sound mind, with your self-control, that you would begin to raise up a church that is fearless, that, that even though we may feel fear, we will not react to that fear but we would respond by faith to you. I pray that marriages and families and homes are gonna be restored as we lay that fear down. I pray that financial situations are gonna turn around. Broken hearts are gonna be mended. Broken lives are going to be restored because fear no longer gets to have control. I pray minds are gonna be set free from the cycle of anxiety and depression that, that seem to wreak havoc on so many people's lives as you give us a calm, sound mind like your word promised. May we be a people marked by acts of faith and not reactions to fear, Lord. And we ask it in your name, Jesus, because we know yours is the name above all names, the power above every power, and you can do things that we could only dream of. And we ask it all in your name, Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Listen, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of service today. If you need prayer, our prayer team will be down front here. Take a moment to come down and visit them. Otherwise, we love you, and we'll see you next week.